hello. Welcome to the 360 Method, the Autism 360 podcast. We're back for 2023 and we're uh, bringing you a weekly podcast where we talk about everything Autism 360. Uh, We're getting started for the year and every week we're going to be catching you up with new stuff going on in the program, chatting with our delightful team members and talking all things mindset, as well as just exploring lots of different ideas that autism parents think about. And this week we're talking with our wonderful Kim. Yay, it's Kim. (laughs) Kim is a special education teacher with over 30 years worth of experience and hails from sunny Queensland. How are you, Kim? I'm great. Thank you. Yes, it is sunny Queensland today. We're up to about 31 degrees at the moment. So, oh, <laughs> that it, sounds delightful. Uh, I am your host. I'm Ella Bailey. I'm an Autism 360 veteran coach and explorer of all things parenting support. So, welcome to you, our lovely listeners. We're so grateful to have you here with us and we care about your thoughts and your experiences. So, whether you're a program member or not, we would love to hear from you. Please do drop us a line at hello at autism360.com. We would love some questions. We would love your feedback and any thoughts about topics that would be helpful for you in 2023. Um, We exist for you. So, please do drop us a line. Before we get started, I would like to acknowledge the people of the Eora Nation on whose land I live and work and from where this podcast is being broadcast today. And also just make the disclaimer that this podcast does not substitute for medical or allied health advice. If you're concerned about yourself or about your kiddo, please do seek professional support. This week, we are chatting all things going back to school with neurodivergent kiddos with our expert assistance from Kim. Kim, we're heading back to school. I know. It, it seems just the other day we were breaking up from school, but we're heading back very soon. Exactly. I can never keep track of which state is going back when. I've basically given up at this point. <laughs> Queensland always goes back first because we always break up first. We, we yes. broke up on about the 10th of December or something ridiculous. So I we, did notice that last year. Yes. All the Queenslanders were frolicking far before we were here in New South Wales. Well, we've got to get out and use our beaches before you guys get up here. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that how it is? I see. That's the way it goes. That's right. That's right. But we we actually go back before the Australia Day holiday, so ah, okay, it's fairly soon for our kids. Yeah, that is soon. So I guess parents and carers have really got to get started on thinking about that transition, don't they? They do. They do. Um, unfortunately, as soon as the Christmas stuff finishes in the shops, we start seeing the back to school, you know, sales and things go back in there. And all of a sudden parents go into oh, panic mode. My goodness, I've got a child to put back into school. So, yes. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. I also see along with the back to school stuff, they're doing uh, hot cross buns. Yes. I know. <laughs> I did notice those as well. I just think, well, I mean, plenty of time to stock up then. Hmm? Exactly. Definitely. I'm excited to hear your thoughts. I thought we could get started on strategies for home. You know, kids are at home at the moment, parents might be off work. What are some things that families, carers might be able to start, you know, getting rolling uh, with their kids at this point in the holidays, do you reckon? Yep. Yep. And I think you're right. I think it's 
it's good to start early rather than saying, okay, oops, you know, tomorrow is school, like, you know, on the last weekend and suddenly changing routines with kids and saying you have to do this because you're going back to school, which puts a lot of emphasis on the going back to school and puts a lot of stress around that. I think if we start to roll into it slowly um, and, and make it part of just our routines of what we're doing, getting ready, then it's a lot less stressful for, for everyone involved. Um, and so I, I usually say start preparing early, you know, look at the types of things that are going to need to be changing. Are mum and dad going to be working in the same places? You know, um, is there going to be different routines that are going to be happening? Is there, you know, older brother or sister is no longer going to that school now, so they're moving on to another school, so that's going to be something different. Look at some of the things that might be going to impact your child and start to address these early. Um, Start to think of what strategies you might need to address these early rather than that last-minute knee-jerk reaction um, because, as we know, our kids don't respond well to those last-minute knee-jerk reactions and changes. Yeah, absolutely. And when I guess when we think about a, a specifically autistic kids, do you think that there needs to be a longer, a longer lead-up maybe or anything different than how we would maybe traditionally prepare a kiddo for school? Look, from my experience with with working with with kids on the spectrum and having family members um, as well, I think yeah, if we can we can do a slower lead in with it. Some children and and you need know your own child. Some children won't like it. Some children are kind of like, don't tell me about school yet. I don't. I'm not ready to cope with it. That's fine. You know your children if that's if those are those ones. But a lot of kids they need that time to process it. They need that time to be told that something's going to happen go through in their head, come back and ask questions about it if they need it, and then say, yep, all right, I'm ready to move into that that sort of thing. So, you know, for example, if, you know, grandma's going to be picking me up on a Wednesday now because, you know, it's going to be later or I'm not going to be walking home with my brother now, they need to be told about that and then process that, ask questions, whatever, go through some routines, and then they've got it ready by the time it, it actually happens. Um, is that your sort of findings too there, Ella? Have you been with kids that you've helped transition back into school? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that there's a few elements and you're right that parents and carers, you know, instinctively have, a, have some understanding of what areas they might need to prepare their child more in. This is going to be a two-part series. Next week, we'll focus on more school-based stuff. This week, we're going to be focusing on things that you can do in the home. Um, And I guess there's a few um, examples that I can think of um, specifically uh, around uniform, um, routines, lunchboxes, those sorts of things um, that I might bring up um, a little bit later. But um, my question was... um, what do you think is going to be important for people to be considering around uniforms, um, clothing, that that kind of sphere? Yeah, yeah. And and I think you're right. This is something with our kids. You know, you might with a, a neurotypical child, you might just say, "Yep, we're getting some new uniforms. Go and buy them a couple of days before. Shove them in the drawer. Say here they are. Put them on." With our kids, it's no. It's like, "Oh wow, okay." The feel of the uniform, the you know, the actual size of the uniform, the labels. I can remember cutting labels out of my son's clothes. You know, and no, I can't wear this one. Or the socks, or the shoes, or or you know, all these sensory type of things that go with it. Even the smell of the new uniform, having to wash it a few times so it didn't smell new, the stiff hat, you know, those sorts of things, uh, big ones that we probably need to start looking at now. And, um, you know, even if your child's worn that uniform last year, is it actually going to fit or is it too snug now? Is it going to be 
you know, is it going to be comfortable for them? Um, and those are the things, I suppose, that make that stand out a little bit more than maybe your neurotypical child where you go, here's your uniforms hanging up, go and put it on kind of thing. Um, and we need to start approaching these early because if it's going to need to be washed 10 times before they can wear it or if it's if they're going to need to try it on their new shoe their shoes and wear them around a bit or the socks are going to have to you know we're going to have to go out and buy some seamless socks because they're rubbing on their toes or whatever um then yeah we need to really start to to do that now so yeah that uniforms is a big one (laughs) is always a big one um and also the routines i like i said don't make the going back to school the reason for changing routines. It's fine if we have our kids, you know, staying up later during the holidays. But if we if we want our child to be up and dressed at seven o'clock in the morning, um, then we need to start looking at moving back that bedtime or getting them up early. And even if we've got nowhere to go, let's start getting them up and dressed at, at seven o'clock in the morning. Uh, let's start saying, okay, well, look, you know, we get up, we eat breakfast in our pyjamas and then we've got to put on our day's clothes rather than you can sit around and watch TV in your pyjamas. Um, if you've been watching TV while you eat breakfast during the holidays, is that going to be what you're going to be doing when school starts back? Um, and, I, and I know in my family that definitely wouldn't have worked. I, my kids would have sat there like a, a blob in front of the, <laughs> in front of the television um, with the cornflakes dangling out of their mouth and that would have been as far as we got. Um, and, I mean, you know, it, it's things like that you need to start to think about early, I think, especially if you've got kids who are very fixated in their routines. So, you know, they've now gone into their holiday routine. We need to move them back into their, to their you know, school-based sort of routine. Um, that's definitely one. Um, and also, you know, a, a simple one, and I noticed the other day, is their trip to school going to be the same? Do they now have to have a double sibling to drop off at preschool um, or kindy or is is there a change on the route that you're going to go because someone else is dropping them off or something else has happened? So look into that too because a lot of our kids, you go out the front door, you say we're going to school, you turn left instead of right. That's not going to be a good day. Um, so start planning out the route you're going to go. Explain to them that, you know, we've got to drop Sally at kindy now instead because she's now old enough to go to kindy. Um, so those sorts of things are something you might need to look at early in the piece as well. And um, and who's picking them up? Are they going to outside school hours care? Um, who's picking them up? Is grandma picking them up on a Wednesday now because mum's got to work late on a Wednesday? Or is are they going to before school care or something? And And all this stuff needs to be something that the child is is included in in the discussion um maybe have a whiteboard or a family you know a family calendar or something so the child's aware of it they may not be old enough to read it but i know um one really good one i did see a couple of years back and i liked was having little bag tags for who's dropping me off or who's picking me up each day so the little colored bag tags was grandma's picking me up this afternoon or so-and-so's picking me up and they put the bag tag on each day and that way the child and the teachers knew who was picking up and dropping off and the child just picked up the bag tag each day it's wednesday grandma's picking me up today put the bag tag on that was a really great system for that particular child that we were using for it worked perfectly because so he was never, yeah, it was, he was never who's picking me up. It was like, no, it's grandma's day today. It's so-and-so's day today. So those sorts of things are probably something we could start looking at now and, and you know, developing now. Yeah, absolutely. A, a really simple visual cue like that can really save a lot of processing time in terms of, you know, is your kiddo 
able to retain if if you just say something to them once in the morning are they able to retain oh grandma's picking me up all day at school oh maybe not I mean possibly but maybe not you know a really simple but concrete cue like a colored bag tag it doesn't disappear halfway through the day you know and then cause distress because it can't be recalled a bag tag is just going to be there yeah yeah and it's it's those simple things that they seem so simple and too simple but they are some of the things that really work well for our kids you know having that visual there to remind them and and that way they're not having to use all that brain power to try and and process that and and worry about did I remember the right thing sort of thing so yeah, yeah yeah Yeah, exactly. Talking about uniforms, I remember I had a kiddo who um, was starting um, at the same school as her big sister. She was really excited, um, but they had quite a formal uniform. Um, And we got the school uniform on and very quickly realised that our sensory processing was not not okay. Our sensory processing with, I think it was specifically the socks and shoes. Yep. Um, and the kind of feeling of a heavy blazer mm-hmm. was, she, and she was so excited as well. And, and we had really had to kind of troubleshoot, okay, well, what's going to allow, you know, our sensory processing systems to be able to cope with um, the new feedback of the school uniform and those sorts of things. We ended up um, going with a combination of things. One of them was some um, like a dry brushing protocol that really yep. helped kind of unscramble those messages. Um, And then the other one was um, working out a system with the school whereby if she was going to be doing anything that was either with lots of people, where there was going to be lots of movements, assembly, those sorts of things, they would change her into a sports uniform afterwards because they know that her tolerance would just plummet and she would not be able to cope with it after that kind of stress. And so we had to set up a system with school like, okay, you know, halfway through the day, we basically change her into a sports uniform so that she can, you know. Let her body decompress then yes. sort of thing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that all takes time, doesn't it, to work out. You've got to give yourself a space to be able to yeah. do that. Yeah, and that's something that, you know, you need to negotiate with school. It's not just we're just putting her in sports uniform because she doesn't like to wear the other one. She can't wear the other one. She can't wear that all day. It's just too much on her body. Um, Lots of times I have parents talk to me about, you know, socks. Socks are are the bane of their life, you know, socks that that are meant to be the formal school socks. It was like my kid cannot wear those ones. What are we going to do? Or the formal school shoes. And so a lot of times, though, if you have a discussion with the school about these and say, this is the reason why we're not trying to buck the system. We're trying to say my kid either won't wear shoes and socks unless we wear these particular ones. And I've had, you know, kids who particularly I'm thinking one that I remember last year, he was a child who virtually never wore shoes or socks. And of course, you know, got to school and of course I've got to wear shoes and socks. So what we did was in the playground, you must have shoes and socks on. But in the classroom, we've got some little slippers that you can put on. And that was a really good one. And the school came at that. That was fine. So in the classroom, he had the little slippers. They weren't allowing him bare feet, but the little slippers he was okay with. Um, And also things like socks, the seamless socks and the different types of socks. And compression clothing also can be a good one for some of our kids too. Um, The little compression singlets underneath or something like that can also be good for, for offsetting that feel of that uniform. Um, yeah. I do I do know that there's a particular school up here in Queensland that the principal developed the uniform for our kids um, oh. and it was all labels are on the outside or no labels whatsoever um, and, and went for the different fields of clothing and he actually 
got teams of kids to come in and feel clothing and tell him which one which ones felt okay for them. I mean, not all of our kids are exactly the same, but he said, you know, they didn't like the stiff, starchy stuff. Great, well, we're going to have something like the sports uniform, a lot softer sort of thing. But yeah, getting establishing that uniform, you know, that this is something that your child's going to have to sit around in for eight hours each day. Um, so yeah, don't don't please don't leave it till the day before and go, here's your uniform, mm. here we go, because you're asking for trouble. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and lots of stress for everybody yep. involved. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. And look, you know, as I said before, sometimes the uniform is fine, it just needs to be washed half a dozen times. Um, I've, I've had other parents who've purposely bought secondhand uniforms because they're worn in. And that's fine. You know, the, the new starchy one looks might look gorgeous, but it's just not going to suit that child. So, and the other thing too is having everything in one place. Um, I find that it can be very stressful if it's like, oh, well, your shirt's over here and then you need to go and get this and then you need to go and that. that. Sometimes having a system where, okay, the uniform is all going to be hanging up here or in, I, I did see on um, one site the other day, they had little drawers where everything was in the drawer, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So it's had your undies and your socks and your uniform or whatever, and you pull that out and you just put that on. Some kids are going to be great with that and I think that's going to be a brilliant routine for them I do also know that I particularly the one I'm thinking of each morning like to choose her own clothes so therefore it was fine but we got it down to oh you can choose your own ribbon or you can choose your own whatever it was so that it gave them still some choice but they still had the uniform thing to wear so you know your child you know what things are going to work well for them let's try and set up a system that's going to work well for them and have having that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday thing is great for some of our kids because they just pull open the drawer, put it on, and there's no ifs, buts, or maybes around that one. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, it's that concrete information that isn't just disappearing because it's been said once. The information is there for them to take as long as they need to process and understand in a way that's meaningful to them. Yeah. I want to finish up today's episode by talking a little bit about lunchboxes and food and all things school lunches um, yes. and get some wisdom around um, some strategies that uh, parents and carers might use in this time, prepping kids to go back to school yep. to give their kids a, a smooth an experience as possible with school lunches. And lunchboxes are a big one, um, starting from the basic of can your child identify and open their lunchbox um, because, you know, some of the lunchboxes are beautiful, but they are tricky. Um, you know, you love little bento boxes and your different things. have got all the little different opening bit. Yeah, click, click, click. My finger's jammed in it, whatever. I can't open it. And your child, think about when your child comes out at lunchtime, there's a whole crowd of people around them. They want to go out and play. They want to do this. And then you've got to deal with this lunchbox. So it's got to be something they can deal with, something simple, something they can identify. Um, can they do it without support too? Because, you know, the teacher's not going to be able to come and open their stuff or open their packages or do whatever. So make sure that the lunchbox is familiar to your child and easily accessible to your child. That's a big one. Um, I would say right now, in these next couple of weeks before school goes back, trial making some lunches and using the lunchbox and getting your child to eat from the lunchbox, you know, even if you go out for a picnic during the day and take the lunchbox with you and seeing how much, how your child copes with eating from the lunchbox and also how much they're eating, because you might say, okay, this is going to be enough for them for the day. And you find out that they eat that in the first 20 minutes and then they're starving for the rest of the day. So, okay, yep, we need to add some extra things in um, and gauging what sort of foods they can eat quickly and, you know, 
and cope with themselves. So do some trial lunchbox feeding at the moment. Um, and, you know, that it, I know it sounds silly to practice eating out of a lunchbox, but it really isn't because your, your child's going to, it's, it's giving them all the information they need and then they just have to transition that to the school. So it's, it's giving them the skills that they need. Um, make sure too with our kids that they have a safe food in their lunchbox so that if, if their day becomes really overwhelming, at least they know they've got pretzels in there and they like their chunk, you know crunchy food or whatever it is, or at least they know they've got cheese blocks in there if that's something that they really like. So make sure that every time your child's got at least one safe food in there so that they're going to eat something at least each day um, because you know, some days can just get too much. And if they open their lunchbox and everything in there looks too overawing and overwhelming, then you're going to have one hangry little kid at the end of the day who's not going to be coping very well. Yeah, and, and nothing gets in the way of emotional regulation like hunger, am I right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes, I'm pe- speaking from personal experience. Uh, all of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other thing too is unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, make sure that school policies around food too um you know peanut butter may be a great one for your kid but um if a nut-free school policy you know then it it can't they can't have that um there are peanut free um peanut butters out at the moment um i know various shops have got them um and they're made from safflowers and different things like that that shouldn't be a problem but i mean you know children have allergies we don't want to upset the apple cart and, and or put a child's life at risk so check if you know if your child only eats peanut butter sandwiches check with your school whether they can take peanut butter sandwiches if they can't then we may need to start trialing some other different types of peanut free peanut butter to be able to give them for their sandwich um i i have experienced over time being a teacher kids who have severe allergies and you don't want to be the cause of severe allergies um, in a school situation. Um, It is quite terrifying for everybody involved. So have a look at what your school allows to and try and work around that. And and schools don't put these rules in to be mean. They put these rules in to protect everybody. So have a look at those sorts of things as well. So lots lots of um, pre-empting and trialling your lunchbox foods in these next couple of weeks, I think are really great. And make it fun you know get your kids to help you with making the lunch boxes and well we're going on a picnic today and i'm going to take my lunch box and you can take your lunch box and let's see how we go with it too yeah and i always i always say to parents have a look at your local frozen food aisle yep anything that's available in your frozen food aisle you can make it home and freeze and it's going to be fine i'm always thinking about okay parental labor how can we make it as efficient and as um, low energy, low input as possible to make it sustainable. You know, we've got kiddos who might, you might have five kiddos that all have different needs, that all eat different things. How can you make a system that is efficient and sustainable for you? So does your kid only eat white bread, sunflower paste sandwiches? Make 50 of them and put them in the freezer. In the freezer you don't have to yeah. worry about that again. You know, can your kid cope with just eating a raw apple? That's something you don't have to prepare. You can buy in bulk and do for the whole week. You don't have to spend time doing that. Um, and I think if parents and carers can spend, you know, a little bit of time setting up a system that's going to make things more efficient in the long run, the the work that that does to 
reduce the overall cognitive load is going to benefit everybody. Um, I think that that's would be my kind of um, two cents in terms of parents and carers caring for themselves exactly exactly yep and and the freezer is your friend yes um (laughs) yes it's basically if we can put it in the freezer and then just pop out a a bag and pop it in and look i know that you know the nude food no no packaging no this no that whatever um is the big thing and the bento boxes and the gorgeous little i mean i look at some of those pictures and i go oh my god how many hours has this person got to make this this lunch but I mean our kids might look at that and go well there's nothing in there I'm going to eat so you know let's give our kids their their foods you know they're going to eat if it's if it's apple slices they like then prepare some apple slices chop them all up wash them all put them in little plastic bags throw them into the freezer pull one out of the morning and and pop it in their lunchbox um easier than standing there going I have to slice an apple every morning and the kids are screaming at me yeah um so yes yes definitely freezer and and look sandwiches freeze well lots of things freeze work little cakes and muffins and things like that they all freeze well so pop, make a make a bulk lot give, give yourself one terrible day where you prepare yes. everything yeah rather than a terrible week and have exactly. everything sitting in there and doing it but yeah look it's don't make your life too hard no. um but you know you you know your own kids so you know what's going to work and as we say so long as our kids are eating and they're not hangry at the end of the day then they're probably going to be much happier and much more able to cope as well Absolutely. I think we will um, move on um, to wrap things up for this week because I need to get um, some exciting strategies for school for for next week for people. Um, Kim, if there was like a couple of wrap-up main takeaways that you think parents and carers should uh, put into action this week, what do you think those would be? Um, I think Start preparing yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, is probably a big one because, you know, um, look at the things that are going to be changed in your child's life and, and start getting some strategies involved for that. Um, definitely look at the school uniforms and how that's going to impact on your child and, and you know, the lunch lunches and the, the feeding and those sorts of things. But start preparing now so that you're not going to throw, you know, everybody into the deep end in those, those final days. I think that's that's a big one there. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me today, Kim. You know, I always love getting your wisdom and chatting with you about these things. Um, We will be back next week with another episode preparing our kiddos for going back to school. So please do join in with us then. And until then, Think 360.